Hello, I'm Emma Rice, the Artistic Director of Wise Children, and you're listening to Wise Children's Lockdown. Our lockdown project is about us finding ways of staying close to each other. On this show, I call up an old friend, play some records, and most importantly, get to chat and reminisce. Come and join us for Tea and Biscuits. Hello and welcome to Wise Children's Lockdown Tea and Biscuits. Hello, Ian Ross. Hello, Emma Rice. <laughs> it's very <laughs> nice to see you. We've got Thank a bit more high tech today. We're on Zoom as opposed to Skype, but it's very nice to see you. And you too. I, I spent a little bit of time setting up my background so I'd look pretty, but then of course it's just a, it's just a, um, a recording, so yeah. pointless. Uh, but now I'm enjoying it. You look lovely. You look very Thank lovely. Um, but tell me, um, what is your actual or virtual biscuit today? My virtual biscuit is uh, a malted milk. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go for a Fox's cream crunch. Very good. I know. Other brands are available, but it is the best. Yeah, I think it is. I find they have a lot of packaging. Oh, Foxes. Fair point, but it's virtual, so I'm not going to get guilty about that today. Package-free um, crunch. <laughs> tell me, how's your lockdown going? Paint me a picture. Where are you? How's it going? I'm um, sat in my living room, which has also become uh, my stepdaughter's classroom. Um, I've been frying aubergines from Jaka. Uh, and uh, previous to that, I was checking the garden. We've got all, you know, sort of planting vegetables, Ooh. cooking lots of fresh food, trying to, like, occupy ourselves with all the things we possibly can, uh, which is good. We, we were just trying to work out some maths problems, uh, which um, I was unable to explain in any way. Um, <laughs> but that's, you and, know, parents yeah, that's, across the country, isn't it? Thinking, I don't know how to do this. It's or, or, even worse than that, you do know how to do that, but you have absolutely no ability to sort of <laughs> convey that um, to the child, you know, to explain it, um, which is very frustrating for everybody. So we've just decided to forget school for the day and um, we're going to eat moussaka and uh, draw butterflies or something instead. You know? Sounds very wise. And which part of the country are you in? Bristol. Lovely. Right, yeah. well, before we get down to business, I want to start with a bit of a throwback moment, which I hope you enjoy, and a bit of rock. Get your ears wrapped around this, Mr Ross. If music be the food of love playing, give me excess of it, that's a fitting. The appetite may sicken and soon die. That strain again and out of dying war.
It's extraordinary. We're going to watch it this week, I think. Oh, brilliant. This has been such a really um, joyful excuse to go back over the archive and remember things that I'd forgotten. So that is from um, Twelfth Night that we made at the Globe, and that was Josh Lacey singing If Music Be the Food of Love with the company of Twelfth Night. It's amazing to hear that again. It was so, it was rocking. And you actually had a flute solo. Imagine. It was, it was a whistle, I think, but it's a similar thing. <laughs> but I saw yeah. all the sort of the gorgeousness of sort of 70s prog rock. I love it. And I love remembering that production. But we're going to talk about that later because Twelfth Night comes towards the end of our story, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And also I've chosen a, a, a record which links in with it too. So. Oh, I know. So we'll come to that in a minute. But can we go back? I want to do a little bit of reminiscing with you about the first time we met. But you know what I don't know is how old were you? Oof. Uh, so how long ago was that? I must have been 28. Gosh, it felt 20. like a baby. I remember me- I remember it as if it was yesterday meeting you because it was such yeah. a joyful meeting. But tell me what that the previous 28 years had brought you to that moment. What, what had been your musical background? Well, uh, I always played. As, as Since I was sort of nine or ten, I was learning piano, picking up guitars. My... my Two of my cousins were really um, into music, so we had bass and, and drums and guitars lying around everywhere and keyboards. And um, growing up in, in, in rural Somerset, um, surprisingly, there was a there was quite an active band scene there. Um, and my cousins' friends, who were based in Pitney in Somerset, um, just used to do lots of punk bands, um, scar influences, and village halls, youth centres making videos, running about the countryside, you know, being naughty, trying to find your own version of rock and roll in Somerset, which was, you know, mostly (laughs) cider-based. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed, no. And I I feel like that really started... I had had this sort of interest in in, in this sort of um, academia of music, but also this surrounded by, by punk rock, really with some slightly older kids and, and from there I was in a band called Marshall Peanut and we we um, got some sort of strange record deal which took us around the country quite a lot and we made an album which none of us were pleased about and um, you know eventually it sort of burned in flames but but managed to see loads of the country got a real taste of rock and roll um, and also living near Glastonbury we had all the opportunities to go and play at the festival every year so um, I was in there from when I was 14 
playing and, and, and that lasted for years and years. Going back and also, you know, venturing out into all the other festivals and lots of different bands. Um, went to university, learned how to, uh, well, I did a degree in musical instrument technology. Played with bands up there again, friends from Devon, um, the Action Heroes, who later became the Rumble Strips, um, which was just amazing. Again, getting into the London music scene a bit, making a few records, um, then moved back west because London was terrifying um, uh, and um, lived in Bath, joined up with a band called the Zen Hussies and a band called Babyhead, who uh, Babyhead were... were originally a bunch of guys from Glastonbury who I'd known from back in the old days and um, yeah just toured extensively with them for the next sort of five or six years all around the country went to New York with um, Europe festival after festival after festival uh, and the Zen Hussies as well we did lots of work did loads of sort of session stuff with horns and trombone and, and um, you know just rock and roll seeking the rock and roll dream um, it's amazing. I don't then, think I knew there was all those bands. I've certainly never heard of Marshall Peanut. That's a first. Yeah, well, maybe one day I'll, I'll share some. <laughs> share it, some with you. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's interesting to listen back to, you know, because we were. It's so boring living in the country at times that you, we just ploughed everything into into you know that expression of ourselves and, um, yeah. So it was. Yeah, so my memory is you were plucked out of Babyhead to come and meet me to play in my production of Brief Encounter. And um, Brief Encounter was composed by Stu Barker, my dear friend and colleague. But Stu also comes from a punk rock background, doesn't he? And a band uh, um, working with the oral tradition. So we were never, ever really looking for traditional theatre musicians to work with. And he said, oh, Emma, I've got this band Babyhead. I think they might be good. So um, in you walked and... I mean, what can I say? You know, I've always said it, you know, uh, auditions are a little bit like speed dating, but this beautiful, young, tall, young man um, came in and you played the most fantastic audition, absolutely beautiful. But I've talked about it many times to you, but you've got an amazing, amazing gift, which has been in the present and for a theatre director, but also as a person, it's what I love most, um, is that you're not, you didn't push that audition and try and show off and you didn't sit back and pretend you didn't know what was going on. You just sat in this room with me. You didn't even know whether you wanted to do the job. You didn't know whether you wanted to make theatre. Um, and it was a really magic meeting. And I can remember thinking he's really special. And here we are 12 years later. Oof, you are yeah. bloody special, Mr. Ross. Bloody well, special. bless you, yeah. Well, I mean, my memory of that is pure terror <laughs> actually <laughs> I was so I was so scared going up to London to do that because it was in um, I forget the theatre but it, it was, was in Wyndham's wasn't it the Wyndham's theatre on the on Charing Cross Road so it was all red and plush and sort of old school wasn't it in a bar I think yeah yeah you and Stu Barker and I, I have to say I'd listened to you know there was there was bits of it's funny looking at the trailers even from that time of, of like brief encounter because it feels like technology has moved on so much even since then but these sort of scrappy little lovely um things that i could find online of of your and stew's work and and you know immediately immediately i had a sense that it was the right it was the right fit um yeah it was it was really exciting so i i think my experience of that audition was that although I didn't know whether I wanted it, I did know that 
I was right for it, if you know what I mean. Oh, what a nice At least that. Yeah. So Brief Encounter, yeah. Brief Encounter, Brief yeah. Encounter is a show that changed a lot of people's lives. Almost all of us that touched it sort of were changed and touched and it's created a network of friendships and love affairs and broken hearts that lasts to this day. And here you've chosen this, but this is for all of us that have ever worked on Brief Encounter. to stir the heart does it all the feels <laughs> <laughs> right I'm going to move us on a bit now because you've played for there's too many shows for us to mention but I've got a particular memory which is you came into um, the red shoes as a musician which was the show I created for he's laughing already I can see him you can't he's already laughing um, came into the red shoes which was a show I'd created for knee high and originally again composed by Stu Barker had just a soundtrack and when we brought it back we decided that we'd make the music live and you and Stu Barker were the musicians now I'd made all the actors wear vest and underpants and shave their heads and wear clogs and the musicians for some unfathomable reason were in nice black suits and clogs and I can remember we'd got to America haven't we we were in um, St Anne's warehouse in America and I said well we're not gonna have suits on anymore I'm gonna put you two in your vest and pants and 
I consider that I'm a very good person at reading the room, but I did not read the room because you went out and you appeared in your vest and pants. I burst into absolute fits of hysterics and said, walk across the front, let me look at you. And you had um, an absolute flash of anger, which I now <laughs> am familiar with. <laughs> you said, F you. <laughs> I I did. He didn't say that. He said it properly, but, you know, I'm being careful. Um, but we laugh about that, don't we? Because it was a raw moment of pure aggression from you. But I had crossed <laughs> the line. I was humiliating you and it wasn't OK. How do you remember that moment? Well, okay, yeah, I mean, I, I remember it very well and I sort of regret it in some ways. But also, you know, it. it, it I think it, we've talked about it so much that it did it did sort of break open <laughs> something something between us you know what I mean an understanding I found I the whole thing was so exciting you know you imagine being in New York and opening a show something that was quite defining for you as well and it felt important um, and it was such an extraordinary endeavour for everybody that and, and you know not just a physical endeavour but yeah Opening in Broadway, not Broadway, but going off Broadway um, and suddenly being told to, to put your vest and pants on was something that I'd never, I'd never had to sort of deal with, you know. You know. And of course, listening to me describe your background, you know, it was nothing, it wasn't something, I'm used to working with actors who are kind of used to daring themselves to reveal more. And that isn't something that had been part of your life until that point. So, you know, I did learn something, but also, you know, I'm very used to a man with a certain amount of rage and I... <laughs> <laughs> and I respect it. So we remember that as a defining moment in our friendship. What's your next record and why have you chosen it? Well, yeah, it's um, He Hit Me and it felt like a kiss um, by the Crystals, um, which you used in, in Don John, which was the second show I'd done. And I, I don't know whether I was thinking about why I'd making the, I've made these choices, which are really, you know, I started thinking about our work as much as anything else because I've... There, there are so many defining moments in my life that happened since I started making theatre. You know, the real juicy stuff. I, obviously, I feel like I really started growing when I started making theatre um, in, the, in the ways that, in the things that it's taught me. And, and I remember Don John, I mean, my life changed in many, many ways during that, personally. And um, uh, when you when you do a show and you li you sort of listen to things on repeat, the profundity of it becomes magnified in so many different ways. And this extraordinary piece of music, which we listen to every night, um, I don't know, it just sunk in there deep. And I played it to my wife yesterday and she actually couldn't listen to it. <laughs> she was mm. she was really upset by it. She felt it was, you know, for whatever reason, she, I think everybody will make up their own mind. But um, for me, at a time when I was sort of, Grapp grappling with my own relationships and things it, it, and, and the, the, the themes of the show and everything that we were living with every day this spells out so much of the complexity of love and um, yeah that's it that's it I just think it's amazing and I think it's disturbing he hit me and it felt like a kiss he hit but it didn't hurt me He couldn't stand to hear me say That I'd been with someone new And when I told him 
phenomenal piece of music and yeah, thank thank you for choosing it because people often ask me what's my favorite show and it's an impossible question you have to say the usual they're like your children but I almost always say Don John because I think it was the most unrecognized it never had a second tour it was so ambitious and so ahead of its time uh, it was 12 years before me too and I feel like we were absolutely on the nose with it, with all the themes. And and that song sums it up. It was really edgy, really truthful, really dark, and something I'm eternally proud of. Yeah, no, I, I feel I feel privileged to be a part of it. I think it was the shipping containers that it was the undoing of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just because they were so heavy. They were so heavy, yeah, and a nightmare to tour. But it, yeah, I, I had an, I had an amazing time doing that and, and and learnt such a great deal and saw a load of the world as well you know that's the um, that's the thing I'm thinking about a lot now being trapped inside is how much how in my blood it is to step out the door and jump on a bus or jump on a train or a plane or just be out you know um, and that's yeah. what all of these we're touring animals aren't we we really are yeah penned Traveling. up penned up yeah oh yeah. thank you for remembering Don John what a show what a show I th- I don't think it was just the shipping containers um, but I think I think it was ahead of its time I genuinely do yeah um, anyway um, let's move on to composing so I to my shame I I let Ian sit in the band for how many shows um ooh 10 11 Oh my goodness. And because he's so brilliant, I'm putting you in the third person now because it would be too much to say you. But because he's so brilliant, he just I just thought he's the most amazing musician. I don't want to work without him. It's fantastic. But you did start whispering in my ear, right? You know I would like to write, you know I would love a chance to write, and um I left it too long. However, um 
when at Nehi we made um, the Flying Lovers of Vitebsk about Mark Chagall and Bella Chagall, I gave you the chance that you'd actually been waiting for for a long time and were long overdue, which is to compose the score. And it was a magic, magic time. Talk about that transition from musician, albeit a devising musician, going to composer. Gosh, oh yeah. I mean, I actually feel like it was well-timed, you know. I'd wanted it a lot a lot previous to that, but I think I, think I was ready. <laughs> I think I was ready when it came and... and, and I just had so many ideas. I was excited about I was excited about presenting my own truths. If that doesn't sound too pretentious, you, you know, when even in, in playing other people's music for shows or in bands or whatever, you know, the aim, at least personally, is to always bring a, a good chunk of yourself to it, and that's and that's what I thrive off of. Ever, ever since I've started making music, I just love that point where you feel so invested in what it is you're displaying, you know, what it, what noise it is you're making, because you're saying, this is this is me, you know? Um, uh, I, I don't know whether it's just my ego that enjoys sharing that so much, but when it came, when it comes to, to putting together a show, when it, thinking about somebody's life, thinking about all the things they've been through, and then layering in a sort of complex palette of what, sound what harmony what rhythm what arrangement of notes uh, represents that for me you know and then the discovery that other people also feel the same way you know uh, that your interpretation of 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 love uh, can be recognized by somebody else it just gives me a great sense of, of um you know the humanity of music if I'm not sounding too pretentious. You're not. You're sounding fantastic. And it's true. And in fact, I'm not going to play anything from Flying Lovers because Mark, Mark Antolin chose a section for his Tea and Biscuits. So if you're listening to this, cross-reference back to Mark Antolin's Tea and Biscuits. Um, I loved it. And I thought it was also, it was an incredibly emotional job you did. Again, you'd been going through some stuff in your life at the time and you absolutely brought it into the room in a way that was present. You weren't bringing any agenda with it. You just brought that humanity and heart into the room but you also pulled in all the eastern european references and all the classical references so it, I, I feel i look back on it and think what an amazing technical pudding it was um, of your own voice the Tchaikovsky voice and the russian jewish voice and i'm so proud of it and i think it was an astonishing piece of work and, and an explosion Mike Shepard always talks about the invulnerability of youth he talks about young football players when they can't imagine not being able to score so they just score and yeah. I feel that that was your as a composer you you had an invulnerability about you about your ability to make music I don't mean an invulnerability about your yourself in fact you were very vulnerable but uh, you you were just striking goals into the back of the net and it was a joy yeah. to behold and it was like watching somebody set loose and once you've let the genie out the bottle he's not going back well, that's true i would like to add to that i feel like there's there's obviously there's so much of what i've learned is from working with Nehi and, and working with you actually i was watching the uh, imagination burning documentary this morning on on youtube i don't know if you've seen that no with dudley uh, dudley uh, I his name. Anyway, um, it just it got all those all those memories burning, and 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 
part of that that collision of things i think is is i feel like is a very ricey um sort of trait is if you think about that rat, that Rachmaninoff in Brief Encounter and all the things that it was set against, you know, Noel Coward songs and Stu Barker's amazing um, choral stuff um, and the folk influence, uh, a ukulele banjo and everybody playing at completely varying different levels of ability. And yet the whole thing somehow works, you know. There's no sense that... That's the, that's the really exciting thing that I learned, I think, from you, that is storytelling doesn't rely on virtuosity it's nice to see people showing off really well but actually the thing that the thing that um joins it all is that ability to connect with somebody else you know yeah um and i feel like that's what was really burning in me with with flying lovers was it's like actually there's no pressure to be good in inverted commas or you know um clever Mm. you just have to you have you just have to touch people and and um yeah, how exciting I think is that's that? the word. I think it's not having to be clever. You don't have to impress. You don't have to... You need to just express. And yeah. it's magic. Um, Fun, we're going to go on and play another one of yours. Again, this is a bit of throwback. It's because we've been seeing what we've got. But here's one of Mr Ross's compositions set um, setting Shakespeare to music from Twelfth Night. Tide, high tide came The oceans full of tears Hail the wind and the rain We shall see none to fear God gave them wisdom I say so of Gâteau Chocolat there and the company from Twelfth Night. Oh, let's talk about the globe. Now, what's really funny before we do is 
I it was such an emotional, intense political time for me is that I really have forgotten large chunks of it. So doing this exercise has been really surprising to me and also wonderful. Um, mm. I feel that bringing all of our experience from knee high and devising into that space and our storytelling skills that you're talking about just worked. And I think that was really why I've had to blank a lot of it because it didn't work. And and I suppose uh, to the day I die, I won't quite understand how something so successful was such a failure. Um, I, I don't need to dig over it again, but it's it's been a real pleasure to go and listen to these and hear Shakespeare set to music as detailed and global as that. Just mm. thrilling. Fun. It was so much fun. I, I think that space and the people that are on board and that were on board, underlined. Um, <laughs> and, you know, being in London, being on the river, um, it, it was, for me... Also, it was time. Uh, Twelfth night, I went to Colombia to get married as well. That um, that year, that summer. Um, so, you know, it's just listening to all of those influences, which was clearly South America coming through via my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, it was all there, wasn't it? It was all there, and it's it's just so cool. It, it's such a privilege to be able to inject those those life experiences into your work, and and I think you know. <sighs> For the record, I feel I, I, I look at the globe now and I, I look at, you know, situations in our country and in, in the world, sort of politically, how how things are misrepresented and how people are doing one thing and, and yet it's named the exact opposite, you know, and it felt like that sort of injustice was what happened at the globe. Was, I just couldn't believe, I just couldn't believe it, having lived through it and worked there with all the, you know, the the... the the feels, all the feels of the place and the audiences and, and how it was sort of cracked open. It was so magical. And yet. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I do get it, but it's, it's my head that gets it. Like like I say, when I think back, the the heart was fully intact for the whole the whole adventure. And so was the audience and so were the teams. We, But on that level, it's a, um, it's almost easy to, to walk away from because... We, we never compromised. We only ever made the work we cared about and believed in with great spirit. You listen to that. And, you know, I was already out of the door for Twelfth Night. And mm. I can remember thinking, I, I can do Twelfth Night. I wasn't sure. I thought I can do it because it's all about loss and grief. And I will be able to channel some of that, But which we did. But we also channeled all the loves. Yeah. Oh, magical. Those pictures of the rainbow flags coming out on, oh. on you know, and... and videos coming over WhatsApp of, of the cast warming up and it just felt like it, it, it was it was important for for a, a great percentage of people involved throughout the process, you know, right to the end of the show. And yeah, I, 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 I hold it in very high regard. <laughs> right, I'm going to move us on to Wise Children. So you came with me. You came with Thank me you. to Wise Children and you are, what's your title at Wise Children? I am the director of music. That sounds very fancy. Is it very fancy? It, it is very fancy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd never understand no, such fanciness. No, are you, I could talk. I could talk about it, but you just wouldn't understand. <laughs> uh, no, there's. I think it's. I mean, for me, it's just lovely to to be sort of a nod of recognition, to be connected to it. You know, to be connected to the company. But it does mean this week we did um, we did a school for wise children on Zoom and. You know, we're trying to sort of develop that um, 
that side of the company, which I really enjoy. I love working with people and talking about devising and, you know, sort of exciting people into the idea of being capable, actually. I I think that's that's really exciting. Um, Also, all all the projects sort of come through me. So... I get I get a chance to have a crack at things that that um, that pop up. Wuthering Heights, for instance, is 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 the next one, and um, yeah, I just I just get to to make decisions. It's oh. cool. Well, it felt time. It felt time to formalise what has been happening for a really long time. So it's great to have you on the team. And mm. you also composed Wise Children the show. So we're going to play one of my favourite bits of music again, Shakespeare set to Mr Ian Ross's sounds. The poor souls outside by a sycamore tree The Willow Song from Othello, set to music by Ian, sung by Mirabel Grimaud and the Wise Children Company. I love that. Hooray. And I love that sequence from Wise Children, which I feel sort of summed up um, a little bit of what we were talking about at Don John, but, but in a slightly more entertaining way, which is that section, which was taking a scene from Wise Children, setting it against a scene from Othello with a newly composed folk um, piece piece of music that actually explored domestic violence and all its complexities it was amazing sort of standalone three minutes worth of theatre that was really moving very challenging very funny and mm. and really moving at the end 
yeah, right at the top of the show as well. I know. Yeah, just in case anybody was in any doubt about what kind of show it was. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to your final piece of music, which I've seen what your choice is. Um, so do talk about it. But before you do, I, um, I've known you since you met your wife, Kika. And it's been a real privilege to watch you fall in love and marry Kika and get her to this country. And what a huge slog that was. More than mm. slog, you know, the, the, to be with your loved ones you've worked harder than anything at and I just salute you for um, going on that journey emotionally and practically and just saying that this when I saw this I thought this is a bit of Kika coming through everything and I'm really pleased that you're in lockdown with her and Sarah and that the happy ending has happened that you deserve Thanks. tell me about this song well um I'm going to just, I'm going to find the, uh, I'm going to find the uh, lyrics because we, we, we use this for, um, for just a frame to, to learn uh, some dance for Twelfth Night. And I really wanted to get it in. It wasn't right to have it in the show, but um, a rough translation is I fell, stop me. I walked, I climbed, I was against the current and also I got lost. I flopped, I found, I lived. I lived it and I learned. The stronger you hit me, the deeper is the beat. Still dancing and writing my letters, still singing with the open doors, crossing all these lands and not have to travel so much to find the, to find the answer. And don't worry if you don't approve when they criticise you. Just say, only me. It's me. It's me. It's me. Uh, and there's, there's a lot more lyrics as well. But, wow. I mean, it just resonated because I was learning Spanish at the time as well to impress my... my uh, then girlfriend um, into marrying me <laughs> and it helped I have to say um, so you know listening to music was really really useful in, in sort of trying to get your head around, around the language and she was a big fan of this band so she introduced me to them and it's just a cracking cracking sort of spirited uh, piece of music which I love so much here we go el beat, sí. sigo bailando y escribiendo mis letras, sigo cantando con las puertas abiertas, atravesando por todas estas tierras y no hay que viajar tanto para encontrar la respuesta. Hey. No te preocupes si no te aprueban cuando te critiquen, tú solo di. Soy yo. Me 
Brody. <laughs> yes. Do you remember Katie Owen dressed as a tiny um, cabin boy? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, well, listen, I've loved having tea and biscuits with you. And I wanted to play out on one of your more recent compositions. And the reason I wanted to play out on this one is that we've started writing music together. Me writing lyrics, you writing the music. And that's been a real surprise for me. I never, I struggle with calling myself a writer even though I do and you're one of the first people that I dared share my poetry with and you've always been so supportive and responded so brilliantly um, and I've, I really value our writing partnership Me too <laughs> Me too, so, it's great it, Go on It's such. It, well no I was just going to say like, <laughs> as in terms of you know developing one's skills and, and aspirations you know within that I, I've always enjoyed taking lyrics and, and trying to, to make sense of them musically, you know, so they, so they still carry that meaning. And I'm sort of fascinated with how a lyric, um, how lyrics and prose are different, you know, how you can read a sentence in prose and that makes a certain sense. Uh, and a lyric can make absolutely no sense on the page. That's no reference to you, but, you know, <laughs> can, can make no sense until it has music, you know. It, it, I find that um, so fun to play with. And so when somebody, when, when you've gone, here you are, here's a bunch of texts, here's a bunch of lyrics, can can any of that possibly be music? I just, I just It's the best game for me. Um, and I feel like once, for you, being able to listen to somebody's version of that, thrown back, and then to, to respond, has just helped you grow in confidence. And that's, and that's very exciting. Because I think I think what you write is brilliant, and it, and it always, especially lyrically, it really goes straight to the uh, straight to the heart, straight to the point. Oh well, thank you very much for sharing tea and biscuits with me, my dear friend, um, and thank you for all the emotion, the heart, the honesty, and the ambition that you've brought to our relationship, professional and personal. We're well, going to play out on "Hush Now, Sally" from Mallory Towers, again led by Mirabel Grimaud. Thanks, Ian. Hush now, Sally Hush now, friend Become sweet Sally Your fearful heart I'll mount You can lock me in a room But I'll still hear the sea You can bind my 
If you have a memory or connection you'd like to share on Tea and Biscuits, leave us a message on our phone line 0117 318 3846. That's 0117 318 3846. Keep checking our social media for details of our next show. Tea and Biscuits is part of Wise Children's Lockdown. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye.